Sayyidina Muhammad al-Nabi al-Nummi wa la alihi wa sallam taslima. In the previous talk we were talking about the benefits of dhikr and different adhkar and practices of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I wanted today to actually talk about a very particular dhikr and then I will return back to the general series and that is the dhikr known as Salat Salawat, Salam, reciting blessings, salutations, peace on the beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi wa Wasallam. Now what I've witnessed in many believers and many speakers or many even few even teachers on the path is that there's either a very extreme emphasis or I would say rather there can be no extreme but an exclusive emphasis on salawat and there are others which neglect to emphasize salawat because I myself want to be very careful in my own practice and my own sharing with others not to fall on these two extremes I wanted to talk about this today just imagine and I think the best way we can understand the extreme importance and value and need and necessity to regularly, lovingly recite salawat and salam on Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is as follows. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made ibadah, worship of any being other than him absolutely prohibited, absolutely haram absolutely battle and false and as all of us know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran that on the day of judgment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can forgive any and every sin if he chooses to out of his mercy and grace and generosity except for shirk and that verse may have many meanings but it's true and ultimate and primary meaning by shirk is that if any human beings worships any being or concept or person or idol, or statue, or ideology, if they worship it, they make it their ma'bud, in addition to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if they believe in Allah ta'ala also, but they worship something else also, that is something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not forgive. And that is such an absolute rule, that obviously that is going to apply equally to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in the sense that, None of us can do anything that could even be called worship of the Prophet ﷺ. So we cannot in Medina Nawara make dua to him. We can say salam to him, ﷺ. There's a certain way, a certain adab in which we may speak to him. 
but we cannot make dua to Him to grant us something that Allah Ta'ala would grant us. We cannot make a dua like that. We can request Him uh, that we are sorry, we are not a good member of your ummah, we can request Him to bear witness to our kalima and recite the kalima in front of Him, we can recite our khatam of Qur'an or any Qur'an if we wish in front of the beloved Prophet wasallam. but we cannot pray to him, supplicate him. Alright. That said, what would be the next thing? What would be the closest thing? So for example, we see in Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also made it very clear that the reason why no being can be worshipped is that because there's no sense that any being, any entity, any person, any idea has any divinity in them. Ilahiya, if you will, uluhiya would be proper. But, and that is also true for Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. there is no sense in any way that he is God, na'udhu And so now I pause and why, are we, why do we have to say this? Because as I think all of us know, these were two mistakes that the Christians made very soon after the passing of Nabi Isa And they remain on this today, and this is actually the greatest obstacle in accepting the end of Islam. Number one is that they worship Isa now the Bilal, they worship Jesus. And number two is that they believe Nabi, Prophet, human Isa to be part of the divinity, part of the trinity they attribute Godness, divineness to him. So these two things, now it's human nature. If a human being was ever at risk of making this mistake, sincerely, they would make this mistake when the person they believed to be their prophet. So because this human nature played out, perhaps most dramatically, because at least from the Quran and Sunnah, we don't have any mention that any other Nabi was viewed as part of the divinity or trinity uh, in the same way that Nabi Isa is, or that any other Nabi was worshipped. In fact, with the other stories you have in Quran al-Karim is of Qatl of the Anbiya, that many Anbiya al-Ajma'in were killed. So now, because the Christians had true, deep, intense, genuine, sincere love, and remember those words for Sayyidina, Isa So they were at the greatest danger and then they fell into these two mistakes of worshipping him and ascribing some level of divineness to him. So now on the one hand, the deen of Islam is going to teach something what? That me and you and every person in the ummah should have deep, intense, true, sincere love for Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and all the Anbiya alayhi wa but especially for the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So then that means when our deen is going to teach that, right? Then we are going to be in the same danger and same risk but at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just like He is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, has described Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as Rahmatul Alameen. So at the same time, Allah ta'ala wanted to establish Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on this greatest rank, that He is the greatest of creation, the rank of being the greatest of creation. 
and he wanted his ummah to have the greatest of love for him because he was the greatest of prophets. But at the same time, there could be no kind of worship. But at the same time, the believers would have this intense feeling of love. So what is the solution? What is the expression of that love which will not be a kind of worship? That is called salawat. That is called salam. That is called Persian and Urdu durud sharif. And so we must understand the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And just understand that if we are not passionate in our love for the Prophet sallallahu and it's not enough to be silent about that, and we do not express, and there are many other ways to express that passion as well, to follow his sunnah, to adopt his sunnah, to have his passion for da'wah, to have his passion for khidmah and service. But today we're talking about this act of dhikr, act of ibadah to Allah SWT. That's another beautiful thing, but they're coming in a moment. So we must be regular and firm and devout and passionate in our sending salawat and salam on Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Otherwise we're not in the proper role that Allah Ta'ala wants us to be. We are not on that true feeling of humanity that has deep, intense, passionate love for their Prophet but shy of worshipping them. We fall too short. And unfortunately there were some academics in Muslim history because they were trying to correct some under- uh, equally or f- perhaps more unfortunate excesses in Muslim history where people did go too far and they started encroaching on shirk maybe first with bidah and then going further and some of them outright shirk actually praying to the Prophet so some academics t- in their correction of that they overcorrected and then people became too weary and too shy and then their love for the Prophet ﷺ was confined to love for hadith and sunnah. Love for hadith and sunnah is critical and essential as is learning and studying and adopting a seerah. But a person must still be constant and regular on the salawat. Now the way that Allah SWT chose to explain this to us in Qur'an al-Kareem. إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتُهُ يُسَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِي Allahu Akbar. So, ibadah is something me, you, the angels, right? All creation does to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, Allah ta'ala himself also is not going to do ibadah of anyone else, na'udhu billah. But, whereas ibadah is something common between us and the angels in creation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in this verse Allah ta'ala says, Inna Allah wa malaikatuhu, indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his angels have one thing in common, yusalluna ala nabi, that they send salawat on nabi kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So therefore you, O believers, ya yulina amunu, sallu. Therefore you, O believers, you also join in it's actually in some sense the only act of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's that me and you will actually participate in. Sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. So the word that comes here is salat and salam. Salawat and salam. Recite salawat, you can say blessings, salute, uh, blessings, uh, and salam is salutations of peace. Alhamdulillah. So it's very important that we make this a very regular dhikr on a daily basis. 
not only when we're on Umrah, not only when we plan to go from Umrah, not only in those days when we study Hadith, not only in those days when we study Sirah. And I feel, again, there's too much imbalance. There's some people who are very neglectful of reciting Salawat and Salam and do it very rarely and occasionally. And there are others who, mashallah, alhamdulillah, they're so devout in it. But then they, some of them, few of them, they exclusively do it. Means to the exclusion of recitation of Quran, the exclusion of making dua, the exclusion of making any other form of dhikr. So it's very important that we establish the balance that Allah Subhanahu wanted us to be on. And if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about adopting the Sunnah lifestyle, the Sunnah personality, the Sunnah character, the Sunnah balance. And then a person can truly become the dhakir, a person who remembers Allah Subhanahu with balance. So I think that verse of Qur'an al-Karim would have been enough. But as is almost always the case in our deen, the hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu provide tashri and tafseel, uh, provide commentary and further detail on the uh, ayat of Qur'an al-Karim. So most famously, uh, it's a hadith in many collections also in the Sahih of Imam Muslim, Allah ta'ala, the Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that the person who recites salawat upon me, yani the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, once, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send his salawat on them ten times. And there's a lot of mention of numbers, by the way, in hadith, especially when it comes to nawafil, in terms of voluntary extra worship in the form of dua, sentences to recite in terms of dhikr. Now, different members of the Ummah, they did amal on this hadith in different ways, but it's creating an incentive. Some would recite ten times, get a hundred of Allah Ta'ala salawat, some recite a hundred times, some recite thousands of times. Hmm? Allahu Akbar. And then another narration, uh, but not the one that is in Sahih Muslim, it has the addition that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and the angels will recite salawat ten times on that person. And this is, you can just think that, you know, elsewhere, Allah Ta'ala Quran said, فَذْكُرُونِ أَذْكُرْكُمْ That make dhikr of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala says, I, Allah Ta'ala, will make dhikr of you. Here in the hadith, the meaning is, make salawat on my Prophet Wasallam. I, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, will make salawat upon you. Allahu hmm? Akbar Kabira. This also makes us realize how much Allah Ta'ala loves this act, that Allah Ta'ala is attentive to this act. Allah Ta'ala instantly accepts this act. So if we wonder, okay, which ibadah can I do that will be makbul, will be accepted by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, this hadith is teaching us that if you recite salawat in the Prophet Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barik wa alham ala abdika wa rasulik Sayyidina Muhammad al-Nabi ummi Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instantly, instantly accepts that act and will send ten of his salawat on you. And I'm not aware, but Allahu alam, but I'm not aware of any hadith commentator who in his commentary on this hadith made any exception. That, oh no, if you're sinning it won't happen. Or if you are, you know, I've never heard of that and I've never read that. That's why I'm saying this bold thing. That instantly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept it. So if somebody feels okay, I'm feeling, now let me explain to you, uses of Durud Shreif, uses of Salawat. Somebody says, okay, I feel distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh, I feel Allah ta'ala is not remembering me. 
I feel Allah Ta'ala is not helping me. I'm waiting, when will Allah Ta'ala's mercy come upon me? Oh, why are you waiting? You just recite salawat once. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala send 10 salawat on you, right there instantly. Means Allah Ta'ala will remember you. Allah Ta'ala will send His mercy on you. Allah Ta'ala will send His blessing on you. Allah Ta'ala, hmm? the, the distance you felt from Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, He will bridge it. You, you, are, you are sending salawat on the Prophet because he's the Prophet of Allah. So you bridge the gap between you and your heart and your feelings for Sayyidina Rasulullah by reciting salawat once. Allah subhanahu wa bridged the gap that you had placed between yourself and Him, maybe by abandoning deen, or abandoning, sal- not abandoning salah, or being neglectful, or being sinful. Allah subhanahu wa will bridge that gap of yours tenfold. Allahu Akbar, Kabira. Now, then think, now when you think like this, why would you just recite it once? So no, that I'm feeling distant from Allah Ta'ala. So how distant? I'm feeling really distant. So okay, so maybe you want to recite it hundred times. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala will send one thousand salawat on you. Allah Ta'ala will one thousand times send His blessings and bring you closer to Him. And you know, it just takes few minutes to recite. Let me uh, pause and explain that before the time runs out. Uh, when you recite salawat, so there are many different sentences, like we explained in the previous talks about istighfar. So you should learn, and so a very good book, uh, for example, is Fadail al available in Arabic now, and Urdu and English, uh, by Sheikh Ladeed Malana Muhammad Zakaria, But in other places, you can even online, I'm sure you can find different sentences, which are from authentic hadith. In which Sayyidina Rasulullah himself taught how we should send salawat and salam on him. But I would say the most minimum is to say these two words because these are the two words that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Quran, right? Ya amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. So salat and salam. And I think it's not, it's more sweet if you are able to say the blessed name of the Prophet. So, for example, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. Sallallahu ala, sallallahu ala nabiyyuna mi wa barik wa sallama. Alright? And if you really, really feel you're short on time, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, just to salute the sunnah, that's also authentic hadith, right? The salutation that we say verbally whenever we mention the Prophet Sallallahu's name or write his blessed name, that exact word is from a hadith Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It's just it doesn't have the blessed name of the Prophet in it. But remember, it's to be said when you take his name. And so that's why I'm saying when you if you take that hadith you have these the name of Ism Jalala, Ism Zad of Allah Sallallahu, the word of the verb of salawat, the verb of salam, and the name of the Prophet would have come. So you could add that if you want, Sallallahu ala Muhammadin wasallam. Okay. And the number also, uh, you know, do as much as you can easily. And do as much as you can, not exclusively. But that's how much you should do. Maybe you do it 10 times after every first salah. Maybe you do it 100 times a day. Maybe you do it 100 times twice a day. Yes, there is a hadith about doing reciting salawat more on Fridays. Maybe you recite it more when you're free. Yes, you can recite it when you're driving and you're walking. 
right? But yes, it should also be done with at least some level, ideally even a minimal level of awareness and focus and concentration. Now another hadith, uh, this was narrated by the in the Sahih of Ibn Hibban, in the Jami of Imam al-Tirmidhi, the Sayyidina Rasulullah sallam, he said that the closest person to me, yani to the Prophet sallam, on the Day of Judgment, to the Prophet Muhammad sallam, on the Day of Judgment, Yom al-Qiyamah, will be the one who recited the most salawat to me. Allahu Akbar. Up now, that is obviously giving an idea of kathrat, of quantity. Here, yes, uh, the commentators of hadith have said that if a person only does amal on this hadith and leaves other things, especially fraid and wajibat, this hadith would not apply. But what it's talking about is that all other things considered equal, uh, this factor will then determine that from the people who are standing in the ummah, around the Prophet ﷺ, near to the Prophet ﷺ, the people who will be even closer to him, will be the ones who recited the most salawat. I sometimes look at these hadith in what I call a reverse historical sense. What does that mean? That for me, this hadith also tells me the shan of the Sahaba. Because I know from other hadith that Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq is the closest person to the Prophet in this life, in the grave, in the Day of Judgment, in Jannatul Firdaus. And therefore I recognize from this hadith that certainly Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq must have recited the most salawat on the Prophet And remember Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq was an extremely quote-unquote busy person. He was Amir al-Mu'mineen, Khalifatul Rasul al-Awwal. Hmm? He was the first leader of the entire ummah at such a, mm, such a precious and delicate time for the ummah that they lost their beloved Prophet Sometimes when I imagine in my perverse historical engineering, uh, it's perhaps in those two years, in the absence, in the heartache, and the heartbreak at the loss of the Prophet ﷺ, and then having to assume the mantle of leadership, not Nabuwa, mantle of leadership of the Ummah, that Sayyidina Bakr Siddiq, probably in those two years, possibly in those two years, recited so much salawat that he actually, even on the basis of this hadith, will be the closest person to Sayyidina Rasulullah. Here our time has ended. Uh, but uh, you know, this is a topic. You know, the first part we could talk a lot more on the hakika, the reality, the benefits of salawat, and then also even give more tips and guidance about how to regularly recite salawat. But we hope, inshallah, this will suffice as a beginning, and we make dua that Allah Taala give me and all of us who are listening, and all of our friends and family, the tawfiq and himmah, the grace and strength to be regular and devoted and devout and passionate and loving in our feelings and in our salawat and our salam from the beloved messenger Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.